SEN America, this is the SEN MLB Podcast. Hi everybody and welcome to the show, this is SEN MLB Podcast. On today's show we're going to actually just gloss across the standings today because it's such a big week in the trades. We're going to go to our US correspondent, Tyler Morn shortly to get the wrap on everything that's happened over there. Going to reference a couple of the Aussies over in the minor leagues, a couple of movements amongst the Australians over there. We're going to take a look this week. Uh, we're going to have a chat with Dean Marnell at the Under-12 World Cup. Australia's representing themselves beautifully over there. Maybe not quite the results that we're after, but still handling themselves beautifully. But v- before we get to all of this, he's had a week off. But he's back behind the mic this time. JC, Justin Charles, welcome, mate. Great to be back. Good on you, mate. Good to see you back. Now, you took a week off. Is We did a week. You took a week off. Is this going to be a repetitive thing? Do I Am I too much for you? Do you need to take <laughs> next week off? Is that what's going to happen? Well, I was away for work, so uh, look, hopefully not. But uh, look, I can't tell you how excited I am to be back. Lots of things happening in baseball. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, can't wait. Yeah, lots to get to, mate. We're going to go straight to the standings now, as I say, because there's so much to talk about with the trades. I want to give Tyler as much time as we can. So let's uh, have a look at the trades. Not sure there was much in the way of movement this week, but uh, just tell us where the standings are right now. Not too much in the American League East. We've got the Yankees, Baltimore, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Boston. Uh, Yankees going great at the moment. Won the last seven out of ten. In the Central, we have Kansas City, Minnesota, Detroit, Chicago White Sox and Cleveland. Um, Chicago White Sox making a bit of a run there. Won seven out of their last ten. Uh, in the American League West, we've got Houston, hottest team in baseball right now. Los Angeles uh, Angels, Texas, Seattle, and Oakland bringing up the rear there. So just on the American League where we are there, the teams that are up for wild card, it's always one that, that interests me. Who's who's up for a grab in the wild card there in the American League? Look, uh, the Angels in Minnesota are, are leading the way there, but there's six other teams that are right in the mix there, and uh, we'll talk about this later. Uh, it goes right down deep to Texas, um, who made a, a trade for Cole Hamels during the week, which is uh, really exciting for them. But they've massive really... on the back of a no hitter, massive move, absolutely. And and uh, Philadelphia have been on a tear on the back of uh, the, probably some of that trade excitement, but um, but certainly Texas have made a statement with uh, with dealing for Cole Hamels and, and sending a real message to. Their lineup uh, to their playing staff that they're uh, having a crack at the uh, wild card. So that's fantastic. So eight teams in the mix there uh, for the wild card in the American League. So moving to the National League East, we've got uh, Washington leading the way there, followed by the Mets, Atlanta, Miami, and Philadelphia, who have been hot. They've won the last, last uh, eight out of ten, which has been great for them. Yep. Um, in, uh, National League Central, we've got St. Louis leading the way there, followed by Pittsburgh, Chicago, Cincinnati, and Milwaukee. Uh, and in the West, we have uh, the Dodgers uh, and the San Francisco Giants, who uh, who have been really hot too. Eight out of the last ten, uh, Hunter Pence has really been uh, been uh, firing those guys up and behind some great pitching. Uh, then we've got Arizona, San Diego, and Colorado. And in the wild card race in the National League, really there's only four teams uh, fighting that out. And uh, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, there followed by uh, the Chicago Cubs, that are a real chance, um, and the New York Mets. Absolutely terrific. We're just uh, just about to get Tyler Morn, our US correspondent, up on the line in a few moments' time. But I just want to raise, go back to, you mentioned Cole Hamels getting traded off to Texas. Of course, he threw a no-hitter 
earlier Rated. on this week. Phenomenal performance. He was really, and he actually out hit the Cubs himself. He got a, he got a <laughs> knock. He got a knock, and of course, no hit the Cubs. So it was uh, you know a terrific performance by him. Then gets traded off to the Texas Rangers, um, and the catcher Carlos Ruiz for the uh, Phillies in that particular game. That was the fourth no-hitter that he's caught in his career. Tremendous performance. Think he's doing something right there? I think he knows how to call a game. Researching absolutely. the game beforehand, the Behind hitters. the only other catcher to ever do so was uh, Jason Baratek from the Boston Red Sox. Phenomenal performance. Only two catches ever to catch four no-hitters. In fairness uh, to, to Jason, they uh, had a pretty fair pitching staff there. With <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But you still need that guy behind the dish to catch the ones on the full. Other, that's the third no-hitter of this season. Others to do so was Max Scherzer uh, when he threw against the Pirates and Chris Heston when he threw against the Mets. Um, other performances, Alex Rodriguez hit three home runs earlier this week. The 62nd time he's had multi-home run game. Phenomenal performance. Um, Lucas Duda actually hit three for his first time ever in his career there with the Mets. So, so. he's got 61 to go to catch uh, A-Rod. <laughs> he's done it 61 times. Other big performance, David Ortiz had a seven RBI game during the week and he passed three Hall of Famers in that performance, past Rogers Hornsby, Harmon Killebrew and Al Kaline. But uh, up on the line, we have been able to get our US correspondent, Tyler Morton. Tyler, welcome to the show, mate. Appreciate your time today. I'm going to get right into this. It's been such a massive week with all of the trades over in the US. Now, I have a therapist, and they tell me that it's really good to talk about certain things. I believe you're a Rockies fan, and the big trade that really seemed to get things rolling was Troy Tulowitzki to off to the Blue Jays. Tell us more about that. Yeah, uh, I mean, that was definitely, and guys, thanks for having me. Um, it's such a crazy week, obviously, in the Major League Baseball, but that seems to be the one that, that really set the tone this week was the Rocky Center Troy Tulowitzki to the Toronto Blue Jays. And I think, you know, much to a lesser extent, it's because it signifies that the Rockies are committing to a, a rebuild. I think the, the bigger storyline of that trade was it set up the Toronto Blue Jays really to try to make a run after the American League East, and I think that's the biggest thing. They obviously made a couple of big deals uh, yesterday and today, um, and that seems like it's the dominant storyline so far of this trade deadline is the Blue Jays really, I think, feeling like they're in a, a weak division in a weak year, and this is probably a chance for them to, to really go after uh, the playoffs and maybe making a run at a World Series. Uh, when you say, uh, uh, Tyler, Justin Charles here, um, when you say <clears throat> a, a weak year, uh, are you meaning that it's it's just so tight in the American, uh, American League East? Because uh, you have a look at the Yankees, and uh, well, we've got... All four out of five teams, almost around about 500, um, and nipping at each other's heels. I think um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's it's a weak year, would you? Or, or, or would you say it's just more even across the board? I think it's even across the board, but I also don't think that those teams are nearly as strong as they generally are. Um, I think even the Yankees. Look at the Yankees right now, and there's there's nothing that really grabs you about that team as being an elite-level uh, major league team. I mean, I think if you put the Yankees in the American League Central or even the American League West, that's a third-place team. Uh, I think they've benefited from the fact that, I mean, obviously the Red Sox are terrible this year. The Rays are kind of one of those transition seasons that they seem to have every few years. Uh, the Blue Jays really should be a very good team, and they just haven't had the pitching to be that yet. The Baltimore Orioles, I think, are a team that everybody's waiting around to see if they can put something together and make a, a little bit of a run. But I think it's, you know, obviously there's four teams in that pack 
that are kind of hanging around the same mark, and the Yankees have taken advantage a little bit of, of some of that competition beating up on each other. But I just don't see that division as being its usual dominant self this year. And I think that's why the Blue Jays um, kind of feel like maybe this is their time to make a run. With with their run differential this year, they've scored 100 more runs than they've given up this season. They should really be right now. I think I saw the other day their uh, their Pythagorean win calculation, which is kind of based on run differential, is about 62 and 40. I want to say at this point, wow. and they're a 500 team right now. I mean, they're basically a 50 and 50 team. So that's what's so strange about that division is the Blue Jays should be considerably better than they are. And I think the move for David Price is really the that's their mm. first big uh, shot fired across the bow to see if they can get to being that team. Sure. Um, uh, another big one that happened also was Jonathan Papelbaum from the Phillies to the Nationals. Is that Nationals, of course, they're leading their division. Is that them sort of shoring themselves up in a push for the playoffs and really having a crack at it themselves later on this year? I think so. And what I find interesting about that is we've, we've seen over the last few seasons the way that teams that have great success in the playoffs do so while relying on a great bullpen. I mean, you look at the success the Kansas City Royals had last year or the San Francisco Giants have had in the last few years. They have good starting pitching, but they have great bullpens. And for the Nationals, I think people have expected more. They're somewhat similar to the Blue Jays in that I think people expected them to be a lot better team than they are as of right now. And they've dealt from some injury stuff here and there. I mean, Bryce Harper missed a, a little bit of time. Steven Strasburg has missed some time. Uh, but obviously, I mean, Max Scherzer has been great. They've got a lot of guys in that staff who have been very good. But I think that's the new approach now is for teams that feel like they can make a run in the playoffs they want to make sure that they have a lockdown bullpen. And I think that was the move for the Nationals, uh, which is weird because it, it bumps Drew Storen out of a role closing games that he's been very successful in uh, throughout his career. So it's kind of strange to acquire a veteran closer and put him there. But I think right now the Nationals are ascribing to the philosophy that if you can put a closer basically in every inning, then you know you've got a good chance to shut down some games and get some wins. And that's very important as you get towards the playoffs. That's right. And uh, look, pitching wins games. There's no doubt about that. We've seen the Royals bolster their uh, their push for a World Series win with uh, Johnny Cueto um, and acquiring uh, uh, Zobrist from, from the A's. Um, also, uh, the Houston Astros, last to first almost, and, and, and bolstering their pitching with Scott Casimir. How do you see that move? The Astros, I think, have been a, a classic study in how to rebuild a franchise and maybe one of the best orchestrated ones over the last decade plus in Major League Baseball. Uh, three or four years ago, the Astros basically admitted to their fan base, we're going to be terrible for a while, but we're going to do this with a plan. They brought in an entire new front office. They focused very heavily on analytics, on player development, on drafting well. And so far, they have done it exceedingly well. And that's what I think is so vindicating for the Astros is for a long time, they were kind of mocked and vilified by the old school baseball crowd as, you know, you can't win games based on science. You can't win games based on equations. But the Astros are proving that if you have a plan, if you stick to a plan of the type of talent you want to draft and develop, the type of guys you want to sign internationally, and the type of players you want to mold and put together, if it's sabermetrically oriented, if it's not, it can work if you stay that course and you do it correctly. Um, getting Scott Kazmir, I think, is huge for that team because now you put him with Dallas Keuchel at the top of that rotation, and that's a one-two punch that's as good as anybody else uh, in the American League. And I think especially when you get toward the postseason, you know, you really only need two dominant arms to have a lot of success in the playoffs. We've seen that time and time again throughout Major League Baseball. Um, the Astros are going for it, and I don't think this is – it's kind of funny, guys. There was uh, last year toward the end of the season, the Astros scheduled – 
a Taylor Swift concert to be held at Minute Maid Park <laughs> in October. And they tweeted out last December that the concert date would be subject to change if the Astros made the playoffs. And that was like a giant laugh over here. Like, everybody thought that that was the most hilarious thing ever. Astros have been terrible. They've lost 100 games for three straight years, whatever it had been. And how dare they think that they were going to make the playoffs. And now they're rescheduling that concert because they're planning on having playoff baseball at Minute Maid Park. So uh, the Astros have been a very, very fascinating team to watch over the last few years. And I think if they make it in, if they win that division, they're going to make a lot of noise in October. Well, Taylor Swift is a great concert, though. I'm here to tell you. I've actually seen her. She's fantastic. So don't, let's, you know, let's, uh, let's be uh, fair to her there. Um, let me just ask you, Tyler. So we, we mentioned about um, the possibility of, of throwing your lineup out of balance uh, by acquiring someone who's going to bump someone out of a, a rotation spot or, or out of the starting lineup with Jonathan Papelbon and, and Storen. Um, what are your thoughts with uh, Joanna Cespedes going to the Mets? Um, Last year we saw uh, Billy Bean trade himself out of a out of contention, removing Cespedes out of out of the offensive mix, which totally threw everything out of balance. Um, how do you see Joanna uh, Cespedes coming into uh, uh, coming into the Mets this year? Late I think season. it's a good move for the Mets. I mean, they've certainly needed some pop to be added to that lineup. They acquired Michael Kadire, uh from the Rockies right. over the offseason, who has just been uh, dismal for them. And it's not necessarily Kadire's fault. It's a difficult ballpark to hit for power in. He's had some injury issues this year, all that. But the Mets have really needed to make a splash. And they kind of made themselves into a laughing stock a bit this week with the, the Carlos Gomez deal falling apart and how publicly right. that whole thing went right, down. Right, right. So to be able to go out and get a bat, and I think what the the bigger thing is for the Mets is they didn't give up uh, you know, some of their bigger trade pieces. They held Pat, um, and they didn't lose some of those huge pitching prospects that they have in the organization. I think Cespedes profiles well there. I mean, we saw him in the home run derby at, at City Field a few years ago have a lot of success. So it's obvious that he's not really intimidated by that ballpark. Um, I think that he should fit in well in that mix just as a guy who provides some offensive spark. Uh, a guy who I think, you know, another guy who would have been a great talent there who there were reports the Dodgers were listening on was Yasiel Puig. Right. Um, it was a guy who I think would have fit into that uh, the team mentality well, um, would have provided a big spark in a, a place that obviously loves loud, brash athletes. Um, but Cespedes, I think, is, is kind of the quieter version of that and can really be something big for the Mets. And they're going to need to have all of that pitching. They're going to need one or two more bats like Cespedes um, to be able to get just enough runs to start making a run in that division. And I don't think that's out of the question at all. But right now they're so overloaded on pitching and they haven't been able to find any way to score runs. They had to do something. So it came down to the, to the final hour. But um, that's pretty big for the Mets to be able to pull off a haul for one big bat. Uh, we're talking with Tyler Morney, a U.S. correspondent over in the States. Tyler, the, another big one that happened was the L.A. Dodgers were involved. Uh, I think it was a 13-player trade, three-team, 13-player trade. Ended up picking up another couple of pitches to help with their rotation. Was there too much of a workload going on Grenke and Kershaw, so they had to try and shore up their pitching rotation? Well, I think what, what the Dodgers get now is another guy to throw into that mix if something happens to either of those two. And, I mean, we've seen that, obviously, they haven't had success in the postseason the way most people expect them to. And Clayton Kershaw is the best pitcher on the planet, but for whatever reason, when they get to the playoffs, the Dodgers are not that same team. So you bring in a guy like Matt Latos, and Latos is kind of a fiery guy, uh, and I think will give 
I mean, right now you look at the Dodgers one through five, and I mean, when Brett Anderson is healthy, he's phenomenal. They've got a very, very deep staff and, uh, and still some talent on the way in the minor leagues too. Uh, but I think that is part of it. I think the, the increased workload on Kershaw and, and, uh, and Zach Granke going forward always makes you think you can't have enough bullets really to, to go toward the, the end of the season. And, and this division, I mean, the Giants obviously made some moves. Um, there's always going to be uh, a question as to who the Dodgers are once they get out of the regular season. So adding better veteran pitching is never a bad thing for them because even though you have Clayton Kershaw, even though you have Zach Greinke, at some point those guys aren't going to be able to start. And you got to make sure that you have somebody who goes out there. Let's say one of those who has a bad day in the first two days of the series and you're evened up 1-1 and Hunter Ryu's not there. He's injured for the season. Brett Anderson's always a health question mark. You have to have somebody who you know you can turn to in game three and be able to look at getting a win and get a lead in a series if that's what it comes to for the Dodgers. Can... Uh... The other big uh, name or the other big trade that we see here, and it happened uh, and it happened late, was uh, Cole Hamels to Texas. Um, Texas, are they a chance to get a wild card spot? Do you think? You know, that's a, a very good question. The Rangers, I, that came out of nowhere, I think, for a lot of people that the Rangers ended up being the team in that mix. Um, I think the problem with Texas has been so much over the last few seasons that just nobody has stayed healthy for them. Um, and that seems to be team-wide. It's not just that they lose, you know, one guy, you Darvish, or something like that in the rotation. It's that they lose you Darvish, and they lose Derek Holland, and they lose all these other guys in the rotation. And then Josh Hamilton goes out for a while, or Adrian Beltre goes out for a while, or whoever it is. Um, so the Rangers, I mean, for them to make it in, I think they have to get on one of those stretches where everything goes right for them, which we haven't seen really in the last three years or so, I mean, since they went to the World Series. When they are healthy, they're one of the most dynamic teams in baseball. And I think one of the exciting things for Rangers fans is they didn't have to feel like they had to go out and get a big bat because they have one of the top prospects in the minor leagues and a kid named Joey Gallo who made his Major League debut earlier in the season. Um, if Gallo is able to make the climb and make it back to Major League Baseball, whether they figure out a spot for him as a designated hitter or in the outfield or wherever, he's a natural third baseman, but obviously Adrian Beltre is there. Um, they have a very, very potent offense. I mean, they have a very scary offense. The line order shield is very good at the top of that order. Uh, Josh Hamilton, when he hits well, is, is still Josh Hamilton. Adrian Beltre is one of the best everyday players in baseball. Um, and if you can throw Gallo into that mix, that's a scary type of offense. Uh, so getting Cole Hamels, I think what that does is it gives you the guy who you are missing by not having you Darvish. It gives the Rangers that option on a shutdown day when you need a series victory, when you're you know going against the Angels or the Astros or whoever, um, where you need one of those big, big games through September and into October, you have a guy now that you can look for in that spot to get the job done. And the Rangers didn't really have that after they lost Darvish the same way that they did when he was healthy. So Hamels is a big pickup for them. And the thing that I think really benefits the Rangers is that Hamels is under team control for another couple of seasons. So he's not a rental. It's not like they're picking him up this year and he's going to be a free agent over the offseason. He's somebody that they can build around, and the Rangers have shown they're willing to give out the money to keep guys like that around as well. Tyler, uh, as always, mate, a, a beautiful report. Thanks very much for your time today. A big wrap on the uh, all the trades that have gone on this week, mate. Thanks very much. Appreciate your uh, time today. Thank you. Hey, guys. Great to talk to you. Thanks. We'll be back in a moment, but first a word about our sponsors. Celix Recoating Surface offers a professional powder coating surface and has a wide range of colours available and items can be colour matched to ensure integration with your existing decor. Celix Recoating Service also offers anti-graffiti coating, sandblasting 
and metal fabrication of refrigerator components and parts. For more information, go to info at selixrecodingservice.com.au or call 9788-4000. Welcome back. You're on SEN's MLB podcast. On the line, we've tracked him down over in Taiwan, one of the coaches on the Australian staff over there, Dean Marnell. Dean, um, your win-loss record at this stage is 2-5. and five. Can you just take us through the games up to this stage of the tournament? Yeah, mate. Um, yeah, we started off with Japan. Um, tough ask for the guys. Um, we kind of met at Sydney Airport and and flew to uh, Taiwan, and 40 hours later, we're playing our first game together against um, one of the powerhouses. So we went down in that game. Um, you know, we, we had one inning where it was a blowout, really, and um, that's been pretty much every game. Um, game two, we came up against uh, Mexico, another powerhouse, and had some big boys. Um, I can't re- recall the score on that one, but it was a blowout. We did play the full full game, the, the six innings. There's six inning games in this tournament, so we did play six innings. They just one inning again that really cost us. I think the result there was twelve uh, two. Um, game three, we came up against France, and we had our first ever win. Uh, eight that. four was the result, and um, yeah, it was history. Um, first time we've sent a team away to to the under twelve World Cup and. The boys performed really well. The pitchers threw strikes. and um, Jimmy Natty, a uh, young lad from um, New South Wales, he threw nearly a complete game. He was one out away. We had to get him out of there because of his pitch count. But um, he threw an exceptional game, and he's been a, one of the standouts in this D- tournament. He's played really well. Dean, can I just ask, mate, on that, on your say it's a historic moment winning that game against uh, France there, 8-4. to four. What was the feeling like after the game amongst the group? Did they actually realise it was a little bit of history for Australia there? Did they realise that? Yeah, they did, mate. And and they realised that they're the first team, you know, they're, they're the first team to come away in this tournament. And to win that first game, all the boys did did realise that. And, geez, mate, the, smile, the, the look on their faces, that's, that's what it's all about, seeing... The kids with the big smiles and enjoying enjoying the moment, so it was it was very pleasing to see. Dean, um, we saw uh, on the highlights on uh, on the social media uh, a young second baseman make just a big league play from Australia. What was that kid's name? Where's he from? Yeah, that's James Natty. So he's, oh, okay. he's a young lad that threw the game against France, but <laughs> that, that was actually the first that was actually the first play of the tournament. Oh, you're kidding me. Um, against wow. Japan. He's, he, the ball's been hit up the middle, and he's he's made this great play. Dived to his backhand, and, got to his feet, and threw in one yeah. motion. It was big league. Dustin wow. Pedroia. Wow. It was, just, it was big league, and we, we looked at each other going, oh, we're going to have a great tournament here. Yeah. <laughs> First play of the tournament. Mate, it was just sensational. Mm. And, and and the young kid pitching in that game was um, Jacob Bold, a young lad from um, Mornington. Right, Ryan, so so where's, uh, where's Maddie from? That is from New South Wales. He's from okay. Sydney. Right. So, Big yeah, future. He's, he's been a real standout. Yeah. He plays a bit of middle infield and he's a pitcher as well. So. Dino, the uh, the next game I saw was against Nicaragua. It was a 17-2 loss to Nicaragua. I've actually been surprised with their results. Are they... Are they? Uh, I have never played international tournament like that, but are they just a good team? They seem to be really killing some of the bigger teams in this tournament. 
Yeah, they've got some dangerous bats. Um, in that game, they hit four home runs against us. And look, they've got some big boys. They're huge. And they swing the bat well. And they've got three pitchers that are pretty handy. Um, they, and and defensively, defensively, they play solid. Um, they run the base as well. They're, they're probably... I'm looking at them. I reckon they'll, they'll, win, they'll win a medal. I reckon they're a chance to win the bronze medal at this tournament. So... Um, I think the two standouts are Chinese Taipei and um, USA. Um, I think that'll be the gold medal game, but you know, a lot depends on what happens today with USA. They must win to make that gold medal game. Mm, Dean, it, uh, not casting aspersions here, but uh, I've really enjoyed looking at the uh, the highlights, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, but not casting aspersions here, but some of the countries there seem that those kids look a fraction bit older than under 12. How do you feel yeah. about that? A couple of them look like they might have drove to the tournament themselves. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny, you know, we, we go down to, <laughs> all the teams are staying in the same hotel and we go down for breakfast, lunch and dinner and we just sit there and we look and we go, he can't be, he can't be 12 or he, he can't be 11, no way. Just because you know, the starting you, pitcher you, for tomorrow is sitting at the bar having a beer <laughs> doesn't yeah. mean he's not 11, mate. You got a full beard and mustache too. Well, that's it. He's already doing November, and it's <laughs> like I've never seen that. And you just got to laugh. You know, it's funny. You, you know, had it, it, it. you had uh, yesterday's game was a, a tough one against Brazil. No one lost there, but you still got one more game to go in this tournament against South Korea. How do you see yourselves stacking up against them? Yeah, we're the walking wounded at the moment. We um, yesterday was a really tough game for us. We had we win the game. Just I think it was the third inning. We we um we gave up a six spot, and uh, you know we had two out. We probably could have got away with only giving up one run, but two out and then aces loaded, and we hit pitch batter, and mm. that scored a run. And then a kid hit a uh, um a two out grand salami on us. So <laughs> that was a big inning that really hurt us. During that game, we had James Natty uh, cop a ground ball, hard hit too. It was, it was going in the in the um, cheekbone, so he's in doubt um, for today's game. And we had um, and he was supposed to start our game today. Uh. And the other one was um, uh, Yateman, young Yateman, who's from South Australia. He was playing for a space, and a and a Brazilian kid decided to step on his ankle. Um, oh. You know, at first base. When he's making oh, a what? play, you know, at the base. So, yeah, did, so did, did you drill him next time? Do... <laughs> no, nah, mate, we let the coaches know that it wasn't right, though. But, um, look, it's, uh, you know, so they were our two pitches for today. So we kind of got to assess where those kids are at this morning and see how they're feeling. Last night they didn't look, you know, quite right. But we'll see, you know, see what happens after a good sleep. Um, see how they're looking this morning. Well, Mick Malthouse uh, always said, uh, if you've got a broken facial bone, it's not a real injury. You either play or you have six weeks off. There's no in between. So uh, we'll see him line up for his uh, start to- today. I, I suppose, young young Maddie. Did he have his face on the base? Yeah, I, <laughs> tell him, tell him. I, I told yeah, him I he's got to play or he's got to have six weeks off. That's it. There's no in between. <laughs> I'll, I'll drop that one on him. You know what? He's a pretty tough kid, so he'll, probably, he'll want to play. I'll tell you now, he'll want to play. He's a gamer. Yeah, he looks like it. Dino, you've uh, you've had a good look over the tournament to this stage. They're into the, now the second round and, and coming to playoff stages. Who do you see as the real contenders? You mentioned Nicaragua 
you think might be a chance for a medal? Who else do you think might be a chance to, say, take the tournament out or be contenders for medals? Yeah, um, Chinese Taipei have already qualified for the gold medal game. They've gone through the tournament unbeaten. They had a big game last night against USA, the two unbeaten teams. And um, Beat them. one inning, they just kind of blew them out, really, at the end there. But uh, USA have got a win today to make the gold medal game. Who do so they play? I think they'll do that. Who do they play? Um, oh, I'm not sure who they play today. I haven't looked at that. But they, who they got? they got Nicaragua, actually. Oh, no, sorry, they've got Cuba. USA have got Cuba Ooh. today. Ooh, grudge, big, so, big grudge match. The Moes, yeah. the Moes versus the, <laughs> the uh, yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the big boys. But anyway, we, I, I think USA, they've got plenty of depth. But they've probably saved some guys for today and tomorrow. So yep. um, we're expecting them to come through. But you never know, Cuba are pretty strong. And um, I think for a bronze medal, it's out of three teams, really, Nicaragua, Venezuela and um, Cuba. So it's it's a, it's an interesting tournament. Um, but, you know, Chinese Taipei have booked their ticket for the gold medal game already, so they're guaranteed a medal. That's great. And um, it's pretty good for their home country. Yeah, that's awesome. Dean, just uh, just yeah. quickly, what, uh, what, what are the size of the squads that you're allowed to take? Yeah, 18. So Jeez, that's, we've got that's each skinny, squad's 18 players. Yeah, and... Look, we, 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 and you know what we, we're like, Baseball Australia, we, we we try to give as much game time to all the kids and share it, whereas other countries, they just, there's kids here at this tournament that haven't even seen game time from other countries. Yep. So we we um, we try to make it even throughout the squad. Yep. And, and you know, and that happens at every international tournament. You see it all the time at these tournaments. And... You know, all these other countries that the kids don't pay to come away. Our kids do, so it's um, it's um, we we must do that. You know, just to share the workload as well. It's pretty warm over here. It's thirty eight every day we play, so mm. we need to use the full eighteen kids. Mm-hmm. Dean, on the international scene, of course, now this Premier Twelve is such a big thing to be coming up later this year in November. All of these tournaments that we see now, of course, the this is the Under-12 World Cup, the Under-18 World Cup is coming up next month. Most of these international tournaments now have a point system that lead towards the Premier 12 next time around. Where's Australia, where do you feel Australia is going to maybe finish and do we end up sort of seeing some points to lead towards the next Premier 12? Yeah, look, we... We gain points for um, participating, mm-hmm. so that's that's great. We needed to finish in the top six to to get a bonus fifty points. Okay, yep. Uh. We didn't do that, obviously. But um, the good thing is, needed to Mexico, and they're kind of like yep. on the fringe. I think they're the twelfth strongest nation at the moment, yep. and we're fourteen. So they're in the bottom six with us, which is which is good for our for um for our country and and. So we, we look like we're going to finish 10th. Whether we win or lose today, we'll probably finish 10th out of a 12-team tournament. So that's probably where we're at um, at this age level. Yep. And um, look, we, we could probably... We've learned a lot from this tournament. Us as coaches, we've learned a lot. You know, what, we, what needs to happen in two years' time for this tournament, um, we'll be giving our feedback to um, Baseball Australia. And... Um, that was going to yeah, be my and question, Dean. 
that was going to be my next question, Dean. What do we need to get into that top six going forward? I just think, um, look, it, it, it's tough because the big thing back home right now is Little League. Little League's massive. And the kids playing the Little League tournament, you know, two months prior to this tournament or six weeks prior to this tournament. So they go from playing Little League baseball to real baseball in that short period of time. Our kids, we've come away. We've noticed that, you know, they, they don't know how to get leads. They don't know how to hold runners on. Um, right. So... We got here, first game, probably third game, we're still learning the kids what they could do, what they can't, you know. So probably a little training camp before we come away to teach them those little basic things. Yep, get them all um, together. They're basic to all of us, but to, to an 11-year-old, it's all new, you know. It's, 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 it's really tough for them. Sure. And you're playing against all these, these countries, and the speed of the game goes up a notch, or well, goes up 50% for these kids. So they've got to learn to adapt to the speed of the game. The pitching, they throw it harder. The, um, you know, they... Run they the ball. The ball and yep. and the, the base runner's already on the base, you know. They've got to get rid of the ball quicker. And we've, we're trying to instill that still. It's a learning curve, and we're still teaching at the moment. You know, they've got to use their feet a bit quicker and their hands. And So probably a training camp would be helpful for this team in two years' time mm. if Australia decide to send a team again, which I hope they do, because it, it does go towards the Premier 12. So... We need to be sending teams to these tournaments. Yep. Dino, um, you, you mentioned other coaches. Who's been your support staff on that Australian team? You're one of the coaches yourself. Who else has been a big support of the Australian team and helping out the coaching side, EO, that sort of thing? Who else has been there? Yeah, so great great staff to work with. Um, the head coach is Brian Murphy. And, um, you know, he's he's been around for a long time, Murph, and, and he's been one of the... Uh, Elite little league coaches in Australia for the last three or four years. Um, we've got Matt Williams, the pitching coach, current um, Adelaide Bite pitcher, and um, he's the high performance guy in South Australia. So he's he's done an exceptional exceptional job with the kids. And um, and our EO is Robert Moden. So he's been around for a long time. He's, he's done baseball classics as the EO. So um, really good staff to come away for the first um, under twelve World Cup. I've been privileged. I've really enjoyed it. That's great, Dean. Is um, is Murphy the Cronulla coach? Uh, no, he's not. He's the Manly coach. Oh, okay. So his right. team finished second last year in the Little League okay. uh, National Championships. Yeah, okay. Manly. I've been hearing a bit about Cronulla. Yeah, Cronulla's going away. And that that's the other thing, too. Like, there's there's, there's been some kids probably in the Cronulla team and also the team that went away to the um, Swan Hills, the team that went away to the Cal Ripken, we 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 had kids that would, would make this team in those mm. teams. So yeah, right. Um, so you know, it's that's the tough thing about it. Three teams in the one year going going places, and obviously the little little league's a big thing in Australia, and and you know we it's growing big time in Australia. So. Um, I guess that's our number one priority, but um, every two years it'll be good to make this the number two priority, this tournament, you know, um, so we can try and, you know, strive for that top six spot. Absolutely, Dino. Um, Mate, last one from me is the overall tournament. Have you seen it run? Has there been any glitches or has it been a pretty smooth running tournament? Right, it it is a great tournament. The only glitch is probably the chicken nuggets for breakfast, (laughs) lunch and dinner every day. As long as it's with Uh, rice, it's okay. 
<laughs> that's it. Rice and noodles non-stop. Look, mate, it's been exceptional. We, we've had to go and buy cereal for the kids because it was just getting a bit, you know, too much chicken nuggets and... and um, Nature's and perfect food. <laughs> and the kids are just pouring it on their plate. And we're just like, you can't eat that for breakfast, boys. So... Um, so yeah, that's the only glitch. Everything else, it's been unbelievable. You know, the accommodation's been great. Um, the facilities, we've, there's been three different um, grounds used, and it's sensational. What the game one we played on the main stadium in Tynan City, and that's that's a pro field. You know, it's it's um it's an exceptional field. They've turned it into an under twelve format ground and uh, dimensions, and and the second stadium was. Was, was was exceptional, and we've been playing a lot of games on the third one, and that's that's a great field as well, you know. So great for the spectators to watch, you know. But um, an outstanding tournament. Dino, uh, look, thank, thanks very much for your time today, mate. Really appreciate it. Uh, you've represented Australia exceptionally well. Pass on our best wishes to all of the kids and support staff there at the Under Twelve World Cup. You've really done a terrific job although the win loss might not be where we want it to be but you've learned a lot and uh, bring all that experience back and we can uh, go get them again next time mate thanks very much for your time today no no worries boys my pleasure thanks for your time and um, love the show I heard it last week can't believe you had Russell Spear on it you've got to be kidding me <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd no, love really, to get you in really the studio mate enough. but you, you, you tend to travel too much so next time when you're back in town we'll get you in the studio <laughs> no worries mate Thanks, boys. See you, mate. We'll be back in a moment, but first a word about our sponsors. Celex Recoating Service specialise in electrostatic painting, where our fully trained staff and state-of-the-art equipment enable projects of any size to be coated either on-site or in our well-equipped bayside facility. Celex Recoating Service offers a professional powder coating service and has a wide range of colours available and items can be colour matched to ensure integration with your existing decor. Celex Recoating Service also offers anti-graffiti coating, sandblasting and metal fabrication of refrigerator components and parts. For more information, go to info at selexrecoatingservice.com.au or call 9788-4000. We're going to take a look now at uh, the Australians overseas. There's yes. been a couple of really nice performances so far this week, JC, of course, you've thrown a, an eye across it yourself. Who do you see as the outstanding performance so far this week? I, I love uh, the fact that Liam Hendricks is still uh, doing his thing with uh, Toronto. They're making a real push for the for the wild card and uh, yeah, and and also the uh, the, the pennant even um, in the American League East there and uh, striking out five out of the six batters faced against Phillies just recently. And just on his personally on his. Performance and what's going on there now with, as we've just heard from Tyler Morn there with uh, Tulowitzki coming onto the team and and David Price coming onto the team as well. Boy, that really strengthens that club and hasn't he got a nice little contact list now? <laughs> we'll have to get to him. Absolutely. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, you know, imagine sitting in the pen and uh, you know sitting next to David Price watching these guys work. Is uh, unbelievable. You mentioned to me in the break that uh, Tulowitzki hit two home runs in his two first game. Two home runs and a double. And, so, and a big play, a big play in the field. Made a beautiful backhand play uh, and uh, Derek Jeter-like. Right. Uh, spin and throw to second base to get the force out at second base. It was just a magical debut um, from Troy Tulowitzki with uh, Toronto. Yeah, they've uh, they've really strengthened themselves heading towards the playoffs. Another big one that happened 
Also during uh, the week was James Beresford, hit his yes, first Jimmy. home run for this season. We have talked over the last couple of weeks about what's been lacking from his game to maybe make that step to the major leagues, and it was power was the thing that was missing. Well, there it is. He's showing some power. Well, clearly he tuned into our show and, uh, and you know heard our analysis of where he needs to be, and uh, Jimmy's got in the gym and... Pumped out some bench press, and then he's knocked one out on our recommendation. Fantas- if he wants to get to the show. Fantastic performance by him to uh, to uh, hit his first home run of the season. Another one well done, was uh, Warwick Southold f- was promoted from uh, up from Double A up to Triple A with the Toledo Mudhens. He Fantastic. took the loss in his first outing, but threw five point two innings and nice. Strong performance, but as I say, end up taking the loss doesn't matter. But stepping up to that Triple A level, How of course, ne- for him, yeah, man. absolutely How fantastic. And of course, now um, facing a lot more quality hitters. So you know, this these numbers may not look uh, terrific, but great performance by Warwick Salpold in uh, in stepping up to Triple A. Now uh, we did have Sticks in here the other day talking about the uh, Matty Kent, yes, yep, Matty Kent talking about the approach. Uh, the pitching approach at Triple A. Um, now he might have uh, Warwick might have come uh, come into the game with uh, runners in scoring position and threw a fastball, maybe. Yeah, absolutely, and and, and that's you know. Matty <laughs> talking about never doing that, that always throwing off speed in in those situations. So. Yeah, and and Matty Kent also, as you said, he he did mention that of course when you're at the Triple A level, it's really just the reserves of big league sure, guys. So sure. all of these guys are big league hitters, just waiting for that break up into the major league. So, you know, Warwick will, will uh, get his feet and find out where he's at at that level. He'll work closely with the with the um, pitching coach and, and uh, other coaches there at the Toledo Mudhens. But great move for him being promoted Fantastic. up to uh, AAA. Other wonderful moves. News. Wonderful news. Other moves around the traps. Um, this is a big one for Victoria. Daryl George from your club, JC, has um, signed, and I believe he left He left uh, Wednesday, Thursday this week to head over to play in the Japan Challenge League for the Nagata Labrex team. It's a 72-game season, runs from April to October. So he's coming towards the tail end or mid-range of that season. Another Australian in that team is David Candelis. But uh, he's, he's a great move for Daryl to head over there to continue his professional career. I've never actually heard of that league, Craig. Can you fill me in on this league? It's only been around a couple of years now. It's uh, a newly developed league over in Japan, and as I said, is seven, it professional? It's uh, they they earn the average is around two thousand dollars US a month. In, in what do they eat? Well, that's really just minor league baseball, and you've been through that over in the wow. US. I think you, I mean, didn't you live on fried onions on toast for the years that you were still, over there? I still do. <laughs> but look, you know, there's the old chasing the dream. So Daryl George heading over yeah, to, to Japan to continue uh, chasing that dream of playing professional baseball in Japan. Other Australians that are over there in the Asian side of things, and the one I'm going to touch on. And this was courtesy of the Australian Baseball Players alumni. Kingsley Collins sent this through to me just as an update. Was Chris Oxpring. He's with a team called the KT Wiz of the <laughs> Korean League. This is a newly developed team just this year. And they went out and got Chris Oxpring to be their number one starter this season to get their league underway. Chris has thrown in 20 games. His record is 7-9 and nine and a win-loss 7-9. and nine. His ERA is 
4.09, but a nice little pay packet he's got and himself there. And I don't there. think he's going to be eating just toasted onions. No, he's not eating toasted onions. Reportedly to be around 200 thousand US dollars a year there for Chris Oxpring and a really nice interview coming up with one of our guests a couple of weeks ago Brett Ward did a really nice interview that will be up on the Australian Baseball Players Alumni that's why I'm mentioning there with Chris Oxpring so keep an eye out for that at the Mm. Australian Baseball Players Alumni it's a really nice website to take a look at that brings us to the end of the show for today for Justin Charles and myself this has been SEN's MLB podcast Make sure to follow us on Twitter at SEN America and check us out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash SEN America. As we leave you today, here's a little bit of what went down during this week's SEN NFL podcast with Richie Carraway and James Arthur. Of course, you can find every SEN America podcast at sen.com.au. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next week. The food at American Stadiums is completely different to anything you get here. Here, you go to Telstra Dome or you go to whatever it's called now, or you go to the MCG and you get a 4 and 20 pie or you get the chips and it's very plain, boring food. Yeah. The thing I love about American Stadiums is all of them are different. They're unique. Yeah. Each stadium has different things. One of my favourite things is after you go to a game at USC, you head out into the car park after the game and there are vendors everywhere with these little barbecues set up. And they do hot dogs wrapped in bacon. You get some peppers with it, throw it all on there, and it's a couple of bucks as you're walking out of the stadium. It's absolutely brilliant. I cannot wait to get over. And there's one thing that I want to try, Richard. I want to see if you know what it is. Okay, far away. I want to have a deep-fried Rocky Mountain oyster. Well, they put an oyster in deep fry. No. A Rocky Mountain oyster is bull's testicles. Now... You can stick your nose up. <laughs> I have read so many articles, people, forums, saying how delicious they are. Now, if it, it doesn't sound good, but so many people can't be wrong. So I'm really looking forward to trying that as soon as I get over there. The Carolina Panthers do a burger called the Hog Molly. Let me, tell me if you're interested in this. It's a sliced most smoked brisket. Tomato barbecue sauce, fried onions, pickled jalapenos, and coleslaw. It's called the Hog Molly. It is absolutely massive. Now, this is a great medium for radio, but there you go. Oh, my God. You want to get in on that? Yep. I want to eat two of them. And the thing that's fantastic about NFL stadiums is they're all different, depending on which one you want to go to. For example, the New York Giants do roasted, hand-cut slabs of bacon on a stick (laughs) in a jalapeno maple glaze. Yummy. Who would want to eat that? <laughs> I've, I've got one for you guys. Far away. Oh, I've got oh, one for go. you. I don't know if you'd be interested in it, but uh, I'm going I'm to see. This is available at PNC Park, which is the Pittsburgh Pirates Park. It's where the Pittsburgh Pirates play. Now, it's called the Brunch Burger. Sound appetizing enough? Brunch Burger? It's, you like brunch? Everyone safe. likes brunch? Who doesn't like brunch? I like anything, Chris. Oh. Look, look over the table and ask me again if I like Yeah, I think you'd like this because it starts off quite well. A bacon slash beef patty. Good start. Mm-hmm. Topped with egg. And cheese, yeah, lovingly embraced by a glazed donut. So rather than the actual bun, they've got a glazed. It, it, it looks like a Krispy Kreme donut on either. I don't know if I can do sweet and sour, sweet and savory. Like it's like that. It, it reminds me of the Krispy Kreme hot dog that came out a few months ago. Have you seen the picture of that where I it's got the that. hot dog 
bacon on top, some sort of sauce, and the hot dog bun is a Krispy Kreme. I just don't know if I want that melted cheese or burger juice running nah, over my donut. No, nah, that, that's too <laughs> Separately, give, give me a hot dog and then, a, you know, a dessert of a Krispy Kreme donut. I'm all good, but together, I, I don't know. Sweet and savoury, it's, it's, not, it's not great. No, nah, it sounds foul. 